0: Welcome to episode number 252. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing with you what we are doing differently on our homestead this year, how we are increasing our food production, and some things that you might want to be thinking about to increase the food production where you live as well. Before we dive into that, let me introduce myself and welcome you to the Pioneering Today podcast. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, bestselling author of three books, including my newest book, The Family Garden Plan, How to Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food for Your Family, which I tell you what, at the time of this recording, while we are still in and amidst all of the coronavirus and COVID-19, shelter at home orders, and just new normals. (laughs) I'm not really quite sure of another way to put that, um, that not just those of us in the United States, but globally are experiencing. This is the time, my friend, if you have never produced any of your own food to do so. And My book walks you through every step of growing your own food, whether it's container gardening, raised bed gardening, in-ground gardening, a combination of it, from the planning, the seed starting, the direct sowing, putting the stuff in the ground, including fruit trees and perennials, to crop rotation, companion planting, when to know about harvesting. So there's charts that walk you through when the plants look like this. These are the signs so that you know when to harvest the recommended safe different options you have for preserving that food, like literally the entire entire full circle of putting in a brand new vegetable garden, putting in your fruit trees and perennial plants and berries, everything to raise a year's worth of food for your family. So if you haven't got a copy yet, I highly recommend go and check it out. That you can get some of the free worksheets, the planning worksheets on how much to plant per person for a year's worth of food on the book website for free, straight from the book. And that's at the familygardenplan.com, familygardenplan.com. Okay, so let's talk about today's episode. Now, if you are new to me or the podcast, I'll just briefly say that here on our homestead, I have been, I'm a fifth generation homesteader, so I've been raised raising a lot of your own food. My husband and I have been married 20 plus years. So for 20 plus years, I have had a vegetable garden and we have raised our own food. For about, oh my goodness, now I would say 13 plus years, we have been raising our own meat. So we raise a hundred percent of our own meat here on the homestead. And we usually do about 75% of our own fruit and over 60% of our own vegetables that we eat for a year for my family of four and, but what's been really interesting during this whole the whole COVID 19 thing is it's really opened my eyes and i think for many people it's been eye-opening but even people who are relatively self-sufficient as i would classify myself or have been homesteading for a pretty good number of time and years and we do raise a lot of our own food it has definitely shown me where we have either grown lax or where we have holes in our self-sufficiency. So areas that were a lot more reliant on the stores than I realized. So I'm just gonna kind of dive into you with the things that we are doing different or we're increasing this year in the hopes that it will help you. So at the time of this recording, it is the second week of April. So I'm going to be getting this published and out to you relatively soon. This isn't something that I'm batching a whole bunch of episodes really far in advance. And we ha- live in Washington state. So we have been at shelter at home and operating on trying not to go to the store. Businesses have been limited. Gathering sizes have been limited, et cetera, since really the second week of March. So we're definitely well into a full month uh, my kids' school has been canceled until next fall, so if there is no more public school. The stay-at-home-in-place essential businesses only has been extended to May 4th. I don't know if it will go beyond that or not. We'll, we'll find out, right? Uh, but just to give you a, a little bit of an idea, so back in March when this all started to go down, and it had already been going on, obviously, in China, before that, I had noticed that the organic pasture-raised chicken at Costco, which is if we do raise our own meat chickens, but occasionally I want some just some wings, like if we want to do party wings or sometimes I want some extra breasts. And so I will purchase. I only purchase for meat, organic and pasture raised. But Costco had some at the best price that I found. And so occasionally I would buy it. And I noticed when I was at Costco that Their supply was very, very limited now. And this was prior to all of this COVID stuff really happening and where we were beginning to see store shelves being stripped of different things. But I noticed that their supply was not being replenished as normal. And I mentioned it to my husband then. I said, it's kind of weird. I'm not quite sure what's going on. And I don't know if the brand, honestly, I have no idea. I didn't research it that far. I don't know if it had anything to do with being processed in China. I would like to think that organic pasteurized chicken is not packaged in China, I don't know. I just noticed that at the timing that that's what was going on. Well, then all of the COVID-19 stuff started happening, especially here in Washington State. We were one of the the first states kind of as a hotspot and things started to happen. And there was no chicken. It was completely wiped out and gone. And then, of course, the toilet paper being wiped out was another thing. It was the first time in my experience that there was limitations on the number of stuff that we could purchase, one thing of milk at a time, one thing of butter at a time, etc. limits on food, limits on how many people were even allowed into the store at one time, and things were just wiped out. So there was definitely a big demand and there was a supply issue, and it happened in a relatively short amount of time. And I'm sure a lot of you have experienced that as well where you live like it it happened pretty quickly so if you need some toilet paper substitutes by the way and tips for reusable household items if you're not able to get them that is back in episode number 249 I've got a full episode on that and in the blog post that accompanies today episode I'll be having lots of different links for resources that you can go and grab these listen to those episodes or dive further into these topics but my husband and I took a look and got really serious and looked at what we had on hand because I'm kind of coming to the end. We are going to we right now are able to start planting a lot of our cool weather crops. So I've got snow peas in the ground. I have my onions in the ground. I've got broccoli and cauliflower and lettuce all in the ground. So when I'm looking at what we canned and put up last year, as well as dehydrated, just all of our food supplies from what we had raised ourselves, including our meat, we end up usually do most of our butchering happens in the fall months. Um so as we're coming into this, I'm really looking at what we have on hand and seeing if I wasn't able to go to the store and get anything else. How much do I have left on hand until my crops are going to come in and it's ready to be harvest time again this year? And when I was looking at our tomato products, there's definitely some things that if we were eating exclusively from that and couldn't get to the grocery store or the grocery store was wiped out, there are definitely crops and items that we would fall short on. Now, if it was a normal year where we were doing our regular, where my kids are in school, and so for the most, they do eat a lot of hot lunch at school just as their choice. Sometimes they take their lunch. Now, my husband pretty much always takes lunch Um, when he's at work. Very rarely does he purchase anything. But with all of us at home, we're all eating all the meals at home. So we're actually eating more from our food storage than we are in a normal time. And I'm not going to the store to replenish it even with supplemental fresh items because we're limiting even more than we normally do those trips. Therefore, I realized that if we really truly had to rely on what we were growing and raising ourselves for the most part... We would fall short or we would definitely be eating things that weren't flavored as normal. I would have to be cutting ingredients out, etc. So we had made the decision back in March before a lot of this was extended even that we were going to be raising our meat chickens this year. We had taken last year off because we had quite a bit of meat in the freezer. And so we didn't we didn't want to have excess. We want to always be meeting our needs, but not going beyond that and have so we're practicing good food rotation as well so we are doing meat chickens this year anticipating that there may not be the availability at the store of these items because i don't know what our supplies um, are going to look like and supply chains as we continue to do just essential businesses only and what's considered essential etc so we are doing meat chickens this year now my hens were already at a great we have nine laying hens which provide us with enough eggs to take us. I never have to buy eggs from the store. In fact, I oftentimes I'll actually have a little bit extra. So at the production rate that the age of my hens are right now, we're not planning on adding any more laying hens, but we're definitely bringing in the meat chickens. And I will say that if you are planning on raising chickens this year, be it meat chickens or laying hens, maybe both. If you don't have orders in and you're going from a hatchery Just like we saw with a lot of online places where we could order seed and in actual grocery stores, et cetera, people are ordering and buying and you need to get your orders in sooner rather than later because a a lot of them, especially like with our garden seed and especially with animals and with fruit trees, we're seeing this with fruit trees and nurseries and all of those places, there's only so much available because obviously it takes us time. It's not like we can just go to a factory and say, hey, we need to up production by 50%. We need to double it. There's only so much planted out in order to say seed save from to meet demand for that year. Same thing with the fruit trees. Same thing with the meat chickens. There's, they've only got so many eggs in planned to base on the normal demand that they're used to. And when there's a higher demand, we're going to see shortages and or just selling out of these items. So not to say that they won't with the eggs, with the, the life cycle that they can't get more in. But I'm saying if you're planning on doing any ordering and doing this, I would recommend that you do so now and you don't wait. Now, I know a lot of you are probably going to ask, where do I get my meat chickens? I am ordering my meat chickens in and I have a full. So whether or not there are meat chickens or hens, let me back this up. If you are getting chicks in and you do not have the mother hen to raise the chicks then there is definite things that you need to know about raising baby chicks for the first six weeks to make sure that they don't die and they get off to a really good and healthy start. So if you're brand new to chicks, unfortunately, I've been seeing a lot of people who are new to chickens and asking a lot of questions on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, etc. And in a lot of groups, I'm seeing a lot of incorrect or bad advice when it comes to chick care. So, I have podcast episode number 106, a full written blog post with a video and a guide, 6 tips to raising baby chicks for the first 6 weeks. Highly recommend that you go and check that out so you are set up correctly for baby chicks. Now, where do you get your chicks because we are trying to not go out and not go to stores as as you know, as much as possible. I order mine online and I am trying a new hatchery to me, but they've come very well recommended from several friends who raise a lot of birds, and that is McMurray Hatcheries. Now, we do the Cornish Cross, which if you guys want an episode on meat chickens, let me know. You can leave me a review of this episode, shoot me an email, message me on Instagram or Facebook, If, but I would love to know if you want an in-depth episode on raising meat birds, um, I would be more than happy to provide that for you if there's enough interest, so Let me know (laughs) if you want that and what your questions are regarding it. But regardless if they're for laying hens or for meat chickens, very specific on how you raise them. But I would recommend getting your orders in. So I'm using McMurray Hatcheries. I don't have any affiliation with them. They're not sponsoring me in any way, shape or form. It's my first time getting chicks from them, though I have mail ordered from different mail order hatcheries um, for a number of years in, in the past. So I'm really familiar with doing that mail order wise. But what I noticed when I went to place my order and I placed my order two weeks ago, I won't get mine until the end of April. But what I noticed is a lot of them were starting to sell out or to have limited quantities on some of the specific breeds. So like I said, if you're planning on doing chicks and you have not placed an order yet and you're doing it with a mail order, you might want to jump on that and do it pretty quick. We had also taken last year off of raising pigs. Again, we had a lot of meat in the freezer and we just kind of wanted a break, to be honest, from some of the stuff um, so that we could focus on doing some different things on the homestead because they do take time. Raising raising livestock definitely takes time. Is it worth it? Absolutely. But you got to factor in the time factor and the expense factor. You have feed, you have infrastructure. Different things like that. So you definitely have to take that into consideration. And we had already decided that we were going to do pigs again this year, too. So we are raising pigs and meat chickens again. And I actually am doing more meat chickens than we've done in the past um, because I'm anticipating that I'm going to need to rely on my meat source even more so. And if we are doing homeschooling again next fall then I wanna make sure that I am well-prepared with lots of, lots of food. <laughs> so we doubled our meat chickens that we're doing. We're keeping the pigs the same. Um, and of course, our beef production is the same. But we are upping things in the garden and not just in the garden as far as vegetables, but we are doing another row of asparagus. So I'm putting an entire another bed of asparagus in, though I won't get harvested until next year. We added in five new fruit trees, No, I take that back. It was more than five, seven new fruit trees (laughs) and some more elderberries as well. And I just did a video on my YouTube channel walking you through planting once for your fruit trees so that you get fruit and harvest off of them for 20 plus years. Basically walking you through the proper care and doing proper planting of your fruit trees so they get off to a really good start And then also if you've got existing fruit trees, things that you need to look for and maintenance wise with pruning and what you need to keep an eye on so that you keep them in tip top healthy shape for backyard fruit production. So you can go to my YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com forward slash Wes K Norris. I got weekly videos there for you. I'm walking you through visually a lot of these things that need a more visual. You know, there's some things I love podcasts. You guys know I'm a podcast junkie, right? But there are some things that I just visually need to watch. And so I have that there on the YouTube channel for you guys as well. Now, what's interesting is we had already decided that we were going to triple the amount of flowering perennial medicinal herbs here on the homestead. I had already decided that I wanted to do more of those, one for just medicinal purposes so that I had them on hand. And two, that I wanted our outside, that's my goal. Each year I've been increasing just the beauty of it. And I find that medicinal flowering herbs, not only are they very beautiful, so they work as landscaping, but then obviously we've got the means to make all kinds of different medicine for ourselves, natural, right here. We don't have to go anywhere. That's another thing I think that was maybe a bit unexpected during, well, not maybe unexpected, but seeing a lot of the online sources that I use to order the herbs that I'm not growing myself or maybe I didn't have quite enough of, they got hit and wiped out really quick as well. So finding ways to grow more of our stuff, including medicine, is really important, especially as we move into, like right now, we're not really in cold and flu season, which is typically when we see the need for a lot of this stuff. The COVID kind of came at the end of what we would consider cold and flu season. So my hope, I'm sure it's everybody's hope, that as we move into the summer months, that we will see this start to go down, things will be able to return to normal. But when we hit next fall, which is a typical cold and flu season, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic or fear mongering, but I'm trying to be very realistic in how I'm looking at things and what we're doing to provide for our family. I see that this will have a resurgence again, and that we'll be experiencing a lot of what we're experiencing now. I hope not. I sincerely hope not. But that's what I'm anticipating will happen. And no, I don't. Um, obviously, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't believe in that stuff, anyways, as a Christian. But I want to make sure that I'm prepared. So we're looking to we'd already looked at and I we just today, my husband went and we took part of the yard and we are working on creating new beds for all of the increased baby herbal starts that I've got going in the house right now and undergrow lights, et cetera, um, because we're going to be putting in a lot more. So you can expect I'll have more videos and stuff going over that and doing tours and showing it to you if you're a pioneering today academy member inside the membership then you've already gotten the march herbal deep dive where we're diving into raising our own herbs and harvesting them and then the ways to use them medicinal and each month we're focusing on a specific herb so a lot of these um, you guys will be seeing in depth if you're an academy member so just know that uh, you can log into the academy um, from those pta members march is there it's on marshmallow Um, so you'll be getting an up-close look during those at all of these as we go out the next months and going through there, but we had already planned on doing that, so I really look back and see a lot of the stuff that we had been planning on doing. One, I'm really glad that we had those plans in place, and we are definitely forging ahead, but we're also adding. We're moving our high tunnel to a new location. It had gotten really bent and damaged by wind, And so we're shoring that up. We were totally able to salvage it. Hallelujah. But we're moving it to new ground because I've had it in the same spot and I've had my tomatoes growing under it. I grow my tomatoes and peppers underneath the high tunnel here in the Pacific Northwest to avoid blight. And it's been in the same spot, though it's been covered. Normally, I would never tell you or advise anybody to plant their tomatoes and peppers in the same spot every year, except mine have always been undercover. So they've never had any disease. But we decided it was time to fix the high tunnel, shore it back up, and we were going to move it to fresh ground. So I actually have a new 20 by 30 square foot area of growing space. I'm going to be practicing more succession planting this year so that I can get more in. We're doing more spring crops and I'm doing more fall crops so that we have food growing pretty much year round or very close to that. I was already planning um, when this happened, I we looked at like I said, I looked at my tomato supply because tomatoes are something I use a lot of. I use a lot of tomato sauce and just all different sorts of our cooking along with onions. And so I doubled the amount of onions I was planning on putting in. Onions, side note, also work great in home medicine. It's one of the ingredients in fire cider, which I've got a podcast on and a recipe. So you can check that out. It'll all be, the resources will be in today's um, blog post that accompanies this episode. And you can get that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 252. Just the numbers, the number 252, because this is episode number 252. So you'll see a resource section. You can go and check out these different episodes and stuff that I'm talking about if you want to get those. But we doubled the tomato plants. So I normally do 18 to 20 tomato plants and I have 38 starts right now growing under my grow lights in a corner of my living room. Um, Increased my pepper plants as well. Doubled the onions. I have more garlic going and I'm planning also we're going to be putting in... More cucumbers because my daughter loves pickles. <laughs> I happen to like them too. Um, so we, we're not running out of pickles, but I anticipate with us eating more from home, we'll be having more things like salads and sandwiches than we normally do when they're in school. So we're upping that production. And I'm also going to be putting in more cabbage. We love cabbage. We love fermented cortito, which is actually a Spanish version basically of sauerkraut, but it's not just cabbage. It's got all these wonderful flavors in there. It is, oh my goodness, you guys. Now, regular sauerkraut, it's okay. I'll just be honest. I can take it or leave it. But the cortito version, my friend, it is so good. I will be having a YouTube video coming out on it very shortly with a printable recipe for you because it is one that you are going to definitely, definitely want to make. I'm keeping our winter squash approximately the same. That one has served us pretty well, and I'm not anticipating on doubling up on that at all, but we are definitely planning on doing a little bit more of Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are like my husband and mine and my daughter's. It's our favorite, one of our favorite vegetables. We Love brussels sprouts one of the things that i love about brussels sprouts now brussels sprouts take 120 days so they're not like the majority of brassicas that we grow a spring crop and then usually grow a fall crop they take a lot longer so i plant mine when i do my warm weather crops which is usually mid to end of may and then i don't harvest them until they go through the first frost Which is about the end of September, beginning part of October, kind of depending upon the year. But I leave them in the ground, you guys. And what I love about them is I can harvest them all the way. We harvested the last of our Brussels sprouts all the way through until February. Just them being out in the garden doing absolutely nothing to them. That is my kind of food preservation. I didn't have to cure them like I do the garlic and the onions and the winter squash. There was no obviously bringing them in and either fermenting them, freezing them, dehydrating, all the different ways that we can can preserve our food. That and kale. So kale and Brussels sprouts will last out in the garden almost all year long. They can have snows on them and they will be just fine. The only thing is when they freeze really, really hard on your Brussels sprouts. So we had a big winter storm come in with about two and a half feet of snow. We got down to 15 degrees during the day. And so after they freeze solidly like that, that hard, at least for the Brussels sprouts, the kale actually kept going on through. As long as you don't pick or touch the kale while it's frozen, wait till it thaws back out. The kale, I'm amazed at the resilience of kale. But the Brussels sprouts, once they froze that solid and then they thawed back out, then they kind of became mushy and were no good. But we were harvesting clear through until February, which is pretty phenomenal. So we're planning on doing more Brussels sprouts as well. And we're going to be putting those in that extra spot where we're moving the high tunnel, where we've got extra growing space. Now, on the perennial side, I had put in 25 new strawberry plants, added elderberry, added a bunch of new fruit trees, including pawpaws, and I've got sea berries coming. I've got two plants of sea berries, which are amazing, amazing fruit plants. Um, you got to hear about them on the previous episode, number 251. And so I'm really excited to be adding those in. But we're really looking at turning even more of our space that we've got. Like my husband said, he's like, if we've got the lawn space, we're gonna be putting in more food this year than we have ever before. Now I know everybody's space and everybody's growing experience, et cetera, it's going to look different, but I highly recommend that you look at growing more this year than you did the year before and really taking an evaluation of the foods, which has always been my recommendations. If you've went through the family garden plan or any of those series that I did around planning your garden, you know that I preach that you grow the foods that your family likes and that you eat the most of, and that's what you focus on growing. And so that's really what I did. And I looked at, like I said, onions and garlic and tomatoes or tomato sauce in one form of another make up a big majority of all the different foods that we eat and we supplement with, be it dried beans, rice, vegetables into soups or stews or homemade pizzas, etc. If I've got garlic, onions, and tomato sauce, oh my goodness, I can make almost anything out of all those different things and incorporate it into some type of a meal. Now, one thing, one other thing is right now we're seeing A lot of people are buying more seeds than ever before because we've got more people who are planning on doing a garden than they have before. So you've probably noticed that a lot of online seed places have to suspend ordering for a few days to get caught up or they may be sold out of things. I've got where to buy heirloom seeds, all of my favorite resources. And so you can go and snag that and look at that blog post i've been updating that as i find new seed companies that i really like and still have things in stock so you can go and check that out it'll give you a lot of different options but the next thing that i want to share now these these are steps that that we're actually doing and taking and so i want to share them with you as well is right now we have people focusing on getting either food from the store or getting the seeds or getting the plants like i said a lot of nurseries are seeing are being sold out of things as well because people are focusing on the growing aspect and the food production aspect. But what comes next? Well, it's the preserving of it. So mason jars and canning lids and, of course, dehydrators um, and that type of thing. But the majority, even my a lot of my dehydrated food, I'm still putting into my mason jars and we're planning on canning up all of this excess stuff because I only have so much freezer space. So, I always like to have canning lids on hand. Now, I do use the reusable Tattler lids. I have to be honest. I like them, but normally I can anywhere from about about 400 to 500 jars per year on on like an average year. And out of those 400 to 500 jars of food that I can, I maybe have one jar that doesn't seal every year. Maybe I very rarely do I have any seal failure or do I have any jars that don't seal Using the Girl metal lids But with the tatler reusable lids I have to say when I do them I usually have one jar per run or per canner load I call it a run I will have one jar that doesn't seal when I use the tatler lids So it's a that's a de- decent significant um higher seal failure So when once when they do seal though like they're sealed if they're sealed they're sealed they're great that way So normally I will use the tattler lids on things that I don't that if it doesn't seal and I have to put it in the freezer, it's no big deal. So I'll use it for things like jam or jelly because we do those as freezer jam and jelly already. You can. I'll do it for things like applesauce. I don't use them on my meat or my vegetables because honestly, after I pressure canned my green beans, they're fully cooked. Then I have to go and put them in the freezer and then they freeze and then thought, I mean, they're going to just be complete mush like textural wise. I don't think it would be good. So I don't use my tattler lids on those items that aren't going to freeze well if I have to freeze them, if there's a seal failure. The reason that I shared that with you is because I try to keep a enough canning lids on hand to take me through a regular summer. Now, you don't want to store canning lids too long, the metal ones. You know, a couple of years is totally fine. I've definitely had lids that have been 2 years old and they've been fine, provided especially that they're kept in a, you know, cool location. You don't want them where they're exposed to a lot of heat cuz you don't want that rubber to get too soft or to break down, etc. But I looked at, okay, how many canning jars do I have? And if I'm doubling the amount of tomatoes and we're doubling a lot of this stuff, I'm going to need more jars. Do I have enough canning jars? do I have enough canning lids? And some of the sites that I had found some deals on to order lids from in the past, or I ordered them and I'm like, "Mm, I think I'm going to need a couple more hundred. (laughs) When I went back to reorder more, they didn't even list them anymore. Now, my local hardware stores They have canning lids when I actually went to the last time I went to the regular grocery store because we're at shelter at home here in Washington State was um, going on almost three weeks ago. They still had canning lids. That was not something in canning jars that was being wiped out. But. I will say, I don't know what it'll look like this summer if we've got, like I said, all these people growing more food, which I am very excited about. I think it's amazing. And it's a good thing that's coming out of this is we have more people gardening and growing their own food than ever before. But these people are also going to need to learn how to preserve this food. And they're going to need the supplies to do so. So I would recommend that you think about how many jars you're going to be putting up, if you got enough jars to meet that demand, and do you have enough canning lids. One of the places that I get mine in bulk, and so this is an affiliate link, so I earn a commission if you use my link, and I thank you very much. It helps me with the costs of doing the podcast um, because there's actually costs involved, hosting costs and different things like that, so thank you so much. But meliskinorris.com forward slash canning lids, I buy my canning lids in big sleeves. So both wide mouth and regular mouth. And there it's a sleeve of uh, 300 and something on the regular for the wide mouth. It's 200 and something. And I order those. Now, I had went there to order them again because that's how I I like to order them because I just like to get a big old bulk thing at once and then I'm good for the year. And they were showing sold out, but you could still purchase them. And then when they came in, they would ship them to you. So I did that. I didn't know if they were going to get them in or not but I'm like, I'm going to be on the safe side and I'm just going to pre-order them now and I'm going to pay for them. And both of mine shipped out within three days of one another. Yesterday, I got my regular mouth. Three days before that, I had gotten the wide mouth. So I am all set. Um, I have all the canning lids that I need for for this year, as well as my jars. But if you don't, I would highly recommend that you go and check that out. You can get Get the sleeves on those. Use that link. Pluskingers.com forward slash canning lids and just get your supplies in for what you would need this year. And the great thing about this is I'm going to use them no matter what. I know how much I can every single year. They're not going to go to waste and I'm not ordering in excess where I'm going to have like three or five years worth. I just am getting myself all the way through this year and then possibly into next spring, depending on how much extra I can or not. So I think it's a really wise move. I think we kind of need to move ahead of the curve a little bit as homesteaders in anticipation um, of what your needs will be to put your food up. And so that's those are what the things that we have been doing and looking at. We also made sure that we had enough chicken feed for the meat chickens and the hens, knowing how many weeks it'll take us to butcher the meat chickens. So we get from a local granary is where we get our feed. So we went and I just did a big bulk order from them. Um, same thing with my pet food. Like I, did, I just wanted to make sure that we had them taken care of just in case some of those places shut down because it's hard to know. Things are moving and happening so fast these days that we just wanted to make sure that for all the livestock that we were bringing on to the homestead that we had the means to take care of them. So I hope that you found this episode helpful. Um, and sharing the things that we're doing to make sure that we're prepared as a family um, and all of that, and that it helps you as you make your plans. And I will be doing, because a lot right now has been talking about how we're raising our food, both meats and fruits and vegetables as well. But I'm going to be talking about the things that I did purchase from the store and basics and cooking through the pantry and those type of items with you. So that will be the next episode. So you're definitely going to want to make sure that you tune in for that one. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss it. But I also wanted to share with you the verse of the week. So I'm actually sharing this with you from Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 through 3. I know your industry and activities, laborious toil and trouble, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot tolerate wicked men. And have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, and yet are not, and have found them to be impostors and liars. I know you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted, or become exhausted, or grown weary. And the reason that I shared that is because I know in these times now i know some people are affected a lot more than others but i have to say even though i consider us fairly well prepared and uh adapted for being self sufficient and providing for ourselves i have still felt an underlying level of stress um that affects me and some days it affects me a lot more than others today feels like a really normal day um it's a beautiful day it's gorgeous and sunny out and I am very happy and hopeful. But there have been other days where I have felt the strain on an emotional level that has even manifested itself physically, where I have just had not been able to focus and have felt really tired and actually took a nap in the middle of the day. And if you were part of my newsletter, then you actually saw that. You got to read about that last week that I shared that with you. But... I found this very comforting, especially the part enduring patiently and bearing up for Christ's name's sake, not fainting or becoming exhausted or growing weary and remembering for myself. And if you hold my beliefs and you believe in Jesus as your savior, then this will speak to you as well, but that we have this incredible hope in Christ and this is. This is just a little bump and a reminder that the peace that the Lord gives is not the peace that the world gives. And so to stay in peace and remember that the Lord is for us. He sees us. He holds us in the palm of his hand. And if he is for us, what can be against us? So thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And I look forward to being back here with you on the next one.